Welcome to the Build to Rent show. Steve Olson here with Chase Levitt and Sherida Zanger. Thanks for joining today, guys. It's been a little while since we did an episode, um, but we have some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, I've been at a uh, conference in Scottsdale about Build for Rent. It was really boring. Um, it's You guys have been to this same conference. But what was interesting to me about it was I went to this same conference... Uh, same conference. <laughs> I think you know what I meant, but we'll, you know, I went to the same conference. Now I got to take any chances here in 2016. And I remember at this conference, there were probably 200 people there and a handful of vendors. Uh, most of the vendors were hard money lenders ready to charge 12% interest and things like that. And it, you know, the build, the build to rent space was uh, relatively new at the time. You know, in our in our day job with what we do together, it's been around since like 2011, but um, really kind of hit its stride at 2017, 18, became a big deal. There was 2,000 people at this conference last week. It was absolutely insane. Like everybody talking about uh, build to rent and, and, you know, it's the future and what, where should we be building to rent? Um, and that's just creating, in my in my view, a lot of increased competition, a lot of volatility. We'll talk about that, that in some of the shows. But the funny thing is, is build, build to rent phenomena is responding to the massive need for housing in America. And unfortunately, at a time when we have this tremendous need for housing in America, these idiot cities <laughs> seem to be going the other way and making it more more and more difficult. So we are going to have a gripe session about the city of Phoenix, Arizona today. That is the purpose of the show. I think people will at least like seeing the, the struggle that we've been having, but also understanding it's not unique to, to Phoenix. Welcome to the Build to Rent podcast, the first ever real estate show dedicated exclusively to helping investors go from raw dirt to a cash flowing rental property. Whether you're looking to do a massive syndication or a one-off rental property, the Build to Rent podcast will help you get there. Our hosts, Steve Olson, Chase Levitt, and Sherida Zanger, bring together more than 4,000 properties of experience as they break down how to find and finance projects, make the most of market and tax strategies, and maximize the returns of a Build to Rent portfolio. This is the Build to Rent podcast. And now, today's episode. Before I, before I kind of get into the specifics of the issue, um, as a matter of context, you know, Phoenix is a huge city. It employs a lot of people. And in the coronavirus, I mean, I don't know if we call it a pandemic anymore. It's a thing that we have to deal with. Um, a lot of these governments are, whether you think it should be taken very seriously or not, they are taking it very seriously. And they've got a lot of these mask requirements and you can only go into the office for so many hours. Some people are still working exclusively from home. And no matter how you slice it, this equates to it's a lot harder to get things done with a city, especially a big city that was already bottlenecked with a lot of things. And you compound that with the fact that there's now record developments happening, people trying to push things through the city. It was already difficult. And now they just, you know, they just make it difficult. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't know who if you guys want to draw straws or do a live rock paper scissors, but what's the obstacle we've run into? This is a fourplex project in Phoenix, 
What's the nature of the problem we've just run into and what have we been, uh, what have we been doing about it? When do you want to take that one? So typically we have it, have our projects set up as a PUD, a planned unit development. So you're owning a duplex, a triplex, a fourplex, and you're actually owning the ground below you. Okay. So you have one tax ID number for however many doors you have. Now we're being told, Hey, this project actually is going to have to go as a condo. So what that means is it's going to be individually tax ID per unit, but you don't own the ground below you. You own a uh, percentage of the total ground for the whole project as, as in what the HOA as well. So a little bit different, but we're, what we're running into is because all of our projects are, uh, rental communities, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're not able to have Fannie and Freddie financing so that then that pushes us into the bucket of either you have to be cash or you have to be a commercial loan, which is doable, but on the resale end of it, it's going to make it a little more difficult. So maybe we can just talk about that a little bit more and then get into what that means on the flip side of it for our investors in this specific project. Well, and, and we don't necessarily fully know yet what it does mean. Uh, we're still figuring that out. It's the uncertainty of the, the development world. Chase, do you have anything to add to that? I don't. I think that was everything that I probably would have said. That was, that was great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is unique in the fact that, you know, most people that do a, a build for rent project have total ownership of the project itself. You are Sally, the investor, you built a duplex in your town in Iowa, right? You own that was, that was your build for rent deal on the opposite end of that spectrum. Um, you know, as long as we're doing the Phoenix thing, um, the, the national builder, Taylor Morrison has launched this company called Christopher Todd Communities, who is kind of the flagship of build for rent. And they do, they do really nice communities, um, in the Phoenix area. I think they're, I think they're expanding out of Phoenix. Um, we'll have to check on that because that's something worth following, but they do nice single family detached developments, right? Where somebody feels like they live in a home, but they, they are renting a place and it's this kind of bridge between renting from a single family landlord and living in a class A apartment complex. It's this hybrid. So that's the other is that, um, Christopher Todd communities is the owner of the entire community. So what we've done typically in our day job, FIG, Fourplex Investment Group, is different. We we build and develop this and we sell the entire community off as like 30 different fourplexes that doctors and lawyers and dentists all come in and they own directly. That's different than if you invested in a Christopher Todd community, right? Because you don't get to decide when to sell, but if you own a fourplex, you do. So the only way to maintain control over a build for rent community that has fractionalized ownership like that is through a homeowners association, which is usually a dirty word in the mon pa investor world. But uh, in a homeowners association, like Sherita said, you own the, the unit, you own the ground under it, you own above in the air, you can sell it whenever you want to, you can encumber it, you can do all those kinds of things investing in a syndication. No, you're at the mercy of the sponsor of the general partners. They are deciding according to uh, their, their PPM, what they're going to do with this, this investment. And you, you have to abide by those rules. You can squawk and say, I want to sell. I want my shares out. Maybe they'll indulge you, but they don't necessarily have to. Right. So in this case, the, uh, 
the city of Phoenix gave indications to our development team that, yeah, you can do fourplexes. And the right hand knoweth not what the left hand is doing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so when you get to the, the final approvals, we'll know you can't. And by the way, that's a screw up on our end, right? That that's something that um, our team should have definitely done the due diligence on and known beforehand. They may disagree. Uh, maybe it was impossible to know this. I don't, we don't know, but we are where we are. And you frequently end up there in the development world, don't you? You, you know, something comes out and now, now the facts have changed and you have to problem solve. That's why you get paid in real estate is you solve problems. So now the designated zoning C3 within the city of Phoenix allows for a condo plat. And Chase and I were talking earlier. He's like, well, we got to find out why they're wanting to do that. And I was saying, it doesn't matter. It's what the zoning says. And they allow for, I mean, they could allow for a zebra farm in the zoning. We don't know why, <laughs> right? They created what they created. Go and, ahead, Sheridan. And we also said, hey, well, we could wait and go back to the city and maybe take another year right. and get this zoned as a PUD and do our townhomes like we normally do. But at this time, we're not wanting to do that. We don't, we want to get this project out the door. So we're just kind of dealing with the blow, doing the best that we can putting the right people in place, but that is another option. But we also could say, Hey, let's go and wait another year and try to figure this out. And they could come back and say, actually, we just want it as a condo. It's a condo. That's what we're yeah. doing. That's how you're going to have to do it. So we're kind of just dealing with the blow and making the most of it. And you say it's a blow and that's kind of how I feel too, but is it really a blow? Maybe it's a blow because it's foreign. It's unknown. That's why I was talking with you guys earlier. Can we get the PUD just because that's what we know, the townhomes. So now we're talking about a condo plat. Do we talk about the pros and cons a little bit? Do we jump into that? Is it is it really a blow? I still feel like it's foreign, it's unknown, but there's still some good opportunity, right? Yeah. Well, how is it different then? I mean, tell us. The difference that I see is from an exit standpoint, um, it creates some flexibility where you, if you get a fourplex, you're going to have four individual units. And if it's zoned as a condo plat, you have four different condos, right, that are built and look like townhomes. And so we're thinking, oh, is that, is that beneficial? Can you sell them off individually? And you can. But the tricky part is, is if you go to sell it off individually, that person coming in most likely needs to be an investor, not an owner-occupant. It needs to be commercial loan. Correct? Correct. When we've talked about the difference between a conventional and a commercial loan a lot on the show. So we're not going to dive into that now. But there's clear advantages to conventional. Yeah. Right? So there's a little flexibility there. I think the blow is, is, is we know the Fannie Freddie loan, the 30 year fixed loan, the, maybe it has the, the better, better terms, better rate, um, going versus the, versus the commercial loan. But as we looked into the commercial loan, there's, there's still some opportunity there. And as we put that into our pro forma, plug the numbers, look at the cap rate and the cash flow, we're still at a six cap, right? Yeah. I mean, it's still performing just fine. It's a great investment either way. I think, again, like you said, yeah, I'm using blow and mm -hmm. maybe it's just because like you said, we're, that's what we're familiar with. That's and what that's our what investors are familiar too, yeah. with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there could be some positives to this. I think just the big thing is in the past, we've been able to resell these and use that Freddie and Fannie financing. And we're not going to be able to at this point because you can only have, I don't know what the exact number is, but 50% of the project has to be owner occupied. The other half can be investors. Our projects are all investor owned. So you know, as, or, or as I guess as tenants rentals. For so rent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that makes, that's where it's a little bit difficult, but I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a silver lining in this. 
I know we talked a little bit about, hey, maybe somebody can come in and eventually just buy through the entire project. I mean, you know, one individual investor could eventually buy everybody out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's another component that we have to deal with, too, is that this is located in a federal opportunity zone, right? So um, the funny thing, we had to go break the news of this to our investors. And, you know, most of them have understood things happen. Some have been less understanding. You know, you got to give bad news to your clients sometimes, right? And what we're trying to figure out here is many of the investors in this project were going to use commercial financing anyway. Because to to take advantage, and I'm not giving any legal advice here. This is this is Steve's understanding of it. To take advantage of a federal opportunity zone, you have to buy land, and then you have to put into the land improvements or construction value at least equal, if not more, than what you paid for the land, right? And so that's easy on a PUD. It's very clear what your land value is. Uh, that's a little less clear in this case, right? Because with a condo plot, you own a share of the common of the condo association. So we're trying to figure out like, what, what does that mean from opportunities on regulations? It wouldn't surprise me if it's not very clear. I mean, cause that opportunity stuff is relatively new and, and literally nobody has fully realized one yet. Yeah. Right. Because it has that 10 year timeline. So, uh, we're going to have to spend some money with some very specialized attorneys who, Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to give us a very satisfactory answer, but we have to do it because many of our clients wanted to use commercial financing because when you close in an opportunity zone, you buy that land. The silly thing is, is you have to buy that land and, and then you have to use an opportunity zone business. So your opportunity fund, which is an LLC that you designate as a, as a fund, then funds your opportunity zone business business. So you can guess here, we can't use, um, Fanny. Th that person can't use Fannie and Freddie because Fanny, yeah. Fannie and Freddie has to be name of John Doe with his social security number and the opportunities business cannot be John Doe. It's John Doe LLC tax EIN is so on and so forth. So that doesn't affect those people from financing, but does it affect the viability of the opportunity zone? That's the, the million dollar Quite literally the million dollar question. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll look into that. We'll, we'll look up some OZ references that we know. We'll call them and yeah. we can probably do another episode and give some feedback. Yeah. We'll probably give some feedback on that. It's a good yeah. idea. So yeah. we'll, we'll get, uh, you know, when we talk about OZs and taxes and especially 1031 exchanges, we have an episode coming up on 1031 exchanges because they can be unique in, in a build for rent community. So um, anything to add before we get done airing out our drama with Phoenix other than we're mad at them. Why did they do that? Or hey, why did our people lemons. do that? We're going to yeah. make lemonade out of lemons, right? Yeah, that's right. Let's go. Yeah, we can do this. We've I have a quote things. in my office by John Wooden that things turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. You know, sometimes things just happen and you got to deal. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been another episode of the build to rent show and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Build to Rent podcast. You are now just a few clicks away from joining our community of Build to Rent investors. All you have to do is follow our show on Facebook, LinkedIn, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also watch this episode and more by subscribing to the Build to Rent podcast on YouTube.
The information presented in this podcast is general in nature. Nothing in this presentation should be construed as financial advice or recommendations for any particular situation. The hosts are only licensed to provide advice and services in the states where they are specifically licensed, and listeners should seek the advice from an appropriately licensed professional in the area where they invest. The examples presented in this presentation are for illustration only, and no guarantee that similar results can be achieved, since the facts, circumstances, and participants are all different.